Scripture for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, two parts, chapter 12 and chapter 15, which records the covenant of God with Abram, and then a brief reading from the book of Galatians. But I want to read the last verse in your bulletin first, and that's Galatians 3.29. It says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. The word offspring could also be the word seed. You are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. What does that mean? Why would we unpack a text so ancient as this in the season of Advent? Well, as I read it, lean in. Remember that this event really happened to a real man whose name was Abraham by the one true living God. Back to Genesis 12, beginning at verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had, had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from her of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. 
When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I give this land. Now to Galatians. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Where does your eye go during the season of Advent and Christmas? Um, Where does your ear turn? Right now, this morning, at 11.45 a.m., where's your mind? Where's your heart? Where do you fix your eyes when there are so many beautiful, memorable things to see? Where do you turn your ear? Do you take time to soak deeply in this season? Or are you more like a skipping rock, just hitting the surface as you move from one thing to the other? Where does your eye go? What are you focused on? Are you focused on the lights, the beauty? Are you focused on a list that you hope to get accomplished? Is that overwhelming you? Or are you overwhelmed by beauty? What do you see? This morning, I want us to think about that question. What do you see? But I also want you to think about another question. What do you not see during this season of Advent? What's missing? You might be asking the question, at least at times, who is present? But there's another question, who isn't? That long list that Bill prayed for. We've had so many people in our body pass away in the last few weeks. It's been very heavy. This is gonna be a heavy season. For some, a very, very long season. What have you heard said But what has been left unsaid? What have you received? But what did you not receive? Children know that one. There's things that they want and they receive them. But there's more that they wanted that they didn't receive. What has been done? But what is still left to do? What has happened? And what has not yet happened? In this verse... At the end of the reading today, Galatians 3.29, Paul says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. Why does that matter? For the Christian in this season, it's very easy for our eyes to run to the manger. It's appropriate. On that dark night, when the angels filled the sky and the star led the wise men to the manger, as the shepherds went upon seeing and hearing the angel, Christ was born. But that man who was born a baby, who would later die on the cross, that's not the beginning of the Christmas story. The story of Christmas goes all the way back thousands and thousands of years through this thread that is the seed 
of this promise made to Abram. So let's talk about the promise for a minute. What was the promise that God made to Abram? In your bulletin, look at verses one, two, and three of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't say where the land would be. He didn't say how long it would take. Just he said the land I will show you. Is Abram gonna have faith? Verse two, God says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. What an amazing statement. God continued to show his promise in verse five of Genesis 15. Second part, it says, look toward heaven, Abram, and number the stars if you are able to number them. Imagine that scene. Abram hears God, he really hears him, and then he looks up at the sky. Can you imagine what that sky looked like? There's no artificial light. He sees, and the Lord says, count them if you can, and then says, so shall your offspring be. So Abraham received a promise from God, and that promise was big. With every promise that's given, there's also a problem. The problem is that there are things that we see and feel and think and know that are hindrances or barriers to that promise being fulfilled. And Abram knows them. He speaks of these problems to the Lord. Go to Genesis 15, verse two. Abram says to the Lord, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Verse three, behold, you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram sees the problem. You said you would make me into a great nation. You said my seed would go forth. There would be offspring that would be more than the stars. I have no child. My wife is old. She's been barren her whole life. How is this gonna be? There's a problem. We feel it too. When somebody makes a promise to us, we kind of evaluate whether we think they're gonna be able to keep the promise. And there are reasons often to be skeptical. Do they have the resources? Do they have the time? Do they have the power? Do they have the desire? All of that could go away, couldn't it? Whenever we make a contract, it could easily fall apart. In fact, it does all the time. That's why children will ask parents when parents tell them they're gonna do something. Do you promise? They ask that because they know in the times past it hadn't happened. But God's not like that. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's God's word. He will fulfill what he promises, but Abram doesn't see how. So watch what God does. Look with me at verse nine of Genesis 15. God says to Abram, and you have to picture this because it really happened. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. What that means is in this narrative, this man Abram really went and did that. He went out and he found a heifer. Which one's three years old? I'll take that one. He found a goat. He found all of these beings that God told him to get. A heifer, a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
And he brought him all these things. He cut them in half and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. What's going on? If you're in a Bible reading plan that'll start in Exodus, I'm starting Genesis in January, you're going to be moving through pages pretty quick. And the temptation is just to read and check the box instead of pausing to ask questions. Like, why did God tell him to do that? And what was it like for Abraham to go and do that? What was it like to bring that heifer and that goat and that ram and those birds? Abraham knew what was happening. He knew that God was bringing together the components of a covenant, of a contract. This was what took place in this time period. The animals were cut in half, except for the birds, because that's the way the covenant would be ratified. The individual would take the heifer, the ram, the female goat, and slaughter it. One half of that beast's body would be put on one side, and the other half would be put on the other. So picture it. Imagine the sound as those animals are being killed. Imagine the blood. Imagine the physical effort to do all of that. What would then take place in a treaty in this time period is that the two people that are in relationship now making a promise to one another, one's gonna have more authority than the other, are going to pass through those body parts. And when they do that, what they're saying is, may I be like those that are dead on both sides of me if I break the covenant. The one who had the higher authority would often send just a servant. It was appropriate. But then the other one who was also part of the covenant would go himself. May I be like the heifer, the goat, the ram, the birds, if I break my promise. So what happens? Verse 12, Genesis 15, it says, the sun was going down and a deep sleep fell on Abram. Behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. I wonder what that was like for him. Then the Lord speaks these words to Abram, but then something else happens. Something that's easy to skip over and simply say, that's interesting, that's weird, I'm gonna move on, but we can't. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. What does that mean? Well, first, it means that the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch were God. God is now appearing in this form, showing his power, showing his mysteriousness, showing his purity, all the things of his attributes represented as Abram watches this smoking fire pot and this flaming torch move between these carcasses. Why does it matter? Because God who made everything, who made everything perfect, including a man named Adam and a woman named Eve, created in perfection, knowing that they have sinned and fallen, is now showing his people his plan of redemption. As God moves through these carcasses, what is he saying? Abram, may I be like this, this heifer, this goat, this ram, these birds, if I don't 
keep my promise. Do you see it? God's the smoking fire pot. He's the flaming torch. But what do you not see? Abram doesn't go through. Abram doesn't rise up. Abram doesn't walk between the body parts of these animals. Why? Why is he missing? Because Christianity didn't start in Bethlehem when this little boy was born, this baby was born. It started thousands of years earlier where God knew that no man, including Abram, who had great faith, verse six says, he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. But God knows man can't keep his promise. Man can't keep his covenant. So what's God saying? As he moves through these parts as a smoking fire pot, as a flaming torch, he's saying, may I be like these if I break my covenant. But he's also saying something else. May I be like these if you break the covenant. We can't keep it. And that is why on another dark night, where a bright star lit the sky and angels filled it, the child Jesus was born. That's why on another dark night, that child, now 33 years old, would be in a garden, falsely accused, arrested, persecuted, and crucified. On the day in which he was crucified, it would become the darkest day, a darkness so, so dark, because Christ was there on the cross, fulfilling the promise that we could never keep. When you see Jesus on the cross, what do you not see? You don't see yourself. You see your sins, but not you, who deserve to be there. When you hear the gospel proclaimed through the mouth of the apostle Paul, what do you hear? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What do you not hear? The condemnation that you and I deserve. When you picture all that you receive, what is it you receive? In Christ Jesus, we receive grace. What do we not receive? The judgment we deserved for all eternity. Christ Jesus died. He said it is finished. He was placed in the tomb. When you look at the tomb, what do you see? The place where his body was laid. But three days later, what do you not see? The man who was put in the tomb because he's risen. He's ascended. He's reigning as king. He was the one pictured from the early parts of the Old Testament through the book of Revelation to be the only one who could keep the covenant promise. God, through the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch, says to Abram and to us, may I be like these that have been slaughtered if I break my promise. And may I be like these that are slaughtered if you break your promise. That's why we don't come to saving faith 
and learn that we are heirs, seed of Abraham, and then try to earn our way. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about. We come to Christ knowing that he has covered us. And when the Father who is perfect in his judgment sees us who are in Christ, he sees us as the ones who are the heirs of that promise. Galatians 4 will go on to speak of what is true of those. It literally follows the verse that we ended with. Listen as I read. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also are in Christ when we were children. We're enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This Christmas, are you slowing down enough to soak in the truth of what God has done to save you? Or are you just skimming and skipping across the surface of his word and all the opportunities to worship him? Focus more on a list than on the one who has made you heirs according to this promise. Satan wants to distract us by many, many things. The Lord has told us for those who are in Christ, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us. May this Advent be a season where our eyes are turned up, where we actually focus on what we can see, but on also what we can't see. One day for all who are in Christ, we are only gonna see in perfection. We will not say things like this in heaven. I only wish, I hope, if only, because there in the presence of Christ, all who are heirs of this promise will be basking on the glory of Christ forever. Today, if you are here and you've never heard anything like this, and you're wondering what does it mean to be secure in Christ, it is our greatest joy to tell you. It's not a self-help manual. It is not a bunch of verses just meant to give you cliches. It's the essence of God himself doing what you and I could never do so that we could be with him forever. That is the gospel. The essence of it is Christ in us. In order to enter that relationship, all you have to do is confess your sins, that you need a savior, and rest and receive Jesus alone for salvation. Pray that prayer as I close this. And then tell Bill or myself or somebody that you came with that you know knows the Lord that we might help you begin to walk in that relationship which starts now and goes forever. Father in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you. The gift of life in Christ is everything. There's nothing like it. We often think that it just began in the book of Matthew but it didn't. 
thousands of years before you made this promise, there was a real smoking fire pot, a real flaming torch, and it was you. And Abram saw it. Father, we praise you for this thread that runs throughout history that points us to the one and only one who is able to make and keep these eternal promises. Overwhelm us with the story, enabling us to see that there is more here and there's even more missing. Oh Lord, bless us as we seek your face. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please stand.